Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm excited to bring you a special session. This is a conversation I had with Eric Reinders, author of Rooftop Perspectives, and it's from our Christian Educators Virtual Summit. And in it, we talk about how to help our students to think about worldview issues. Now, if you're in a Christian school, this is a key part of what you do uh, every day in the classroom, or at least what you want to do every day in the classroom, but maybe sometimes don't know how to do it. How do I help my students think about these big picture you know, worldview issues when we're doing math and science and history. That's what we're going to talk about today. And if you're in a public school, don't skip this because you might not be able to specifically teach a biblical worldview, but you can still ask questions that get students thinking for themselves and help them understand what is a worldview? How does it affect how I see the world? And what are the answers to some of these big questions? You know, who am I? Why are we here? Where are we going? All these things. So regardless of where you teach, I think you're going to find this conversation so helpful. So we'll play it now. I'm here today with Eric Reinders, author of Rooftop Perspectives. Thanks so much for being here, Eric. I'm really happy to be here. And um, today we're going to be talking about how to integrate a biblical worldview across all subjects. And this is going to be obviously relevant for those of you that teach in Christian schools. But for those of you that teach in public schools, I think that you'll discover that there's a lot of applications for you too. Now, you're not going to be able to be so overt with it, but this is still, you're still going to discover a lot of tools you can use and a lot of things to keep in mind that are just going to get kids thinking about these types of questions. So this will be helpful for anyone, regardless of where you teach. We're going to get into all of that. But first, Eric, can you share just a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my initial um, teaching credential um, in in multiple subject teaching elementary school. Um, And from a a Christian college, but the Christian college's main focus was getting Christian educators into public schools. So really taught us how to you know, live, our, live out our faith working in the public school. Um, so I went from there. I've taught, um, started in elementary. Um, I also hold a authorization to teach middle school and high school English. Um, so I did make the move into middle school and then ultimately found myself teaching um, high school English at a Christian school in China of all places. That's awesome. And we've, I've loved following your journey. And you talk some about China in your book. Um, your book is all about how to teach students to think from a biblical worldview. So how did this book and this method of teaching that you talk about, how did, it, how did this all come about? Yeah, that's a great question. So like I said, I, I found myself suddenly in China and in a Christian school, which I hadn't been in before. Um, and it led to a lot of frustration initially. There were some things that were totally, totally familiar. Like we were in the middle of a, a WASC accreditation. Um, we were really focused on making everything measurable. That dovetailed perfectly with what we did in the public schooling with standards and things like that. And then they threw this thing called expected school-wide learning results, ESLERs, into the mix. And we were, we were supposed to make those measurable. They asked how and like, One of our Esslers was that our students would become lovers of truth. How do you measure if a student is a lover of truth? I 
I didn't know. I still can't really answer that one, but it led to a lot of frustrating times. Um, as my time, my book is Rooftop Perspectives, I found myself up on the rooftop of our apartment building in China with our small dog for him to do his nightly business at night. And I would argue this stuff out with God going, you've put me here. You want me to figure this out. Um, it's not possible. I finally got to the point where I just threw up my hands with him one night and said, that's it. I'm done. I'm just teaching. I'm not figuring this out. I'm just going to teach what I know. Went downstairs, went to bed, feeling really good about myself. And I told him, I'm laying there and I hear this little voice that says, get up. I'm like, uh-uh, nope. Get up. Right. So I kind of know you argue with God. Sometimes bad things can happen. I've read Jonah. Um, <laughs> so I got up. I sat down on my, my dining room table and put a leaf, fresh legal pad in front of me and said, okay, you want me to write? What am I going to write? And just started scribbling. And I started off, first thing that ended up on the page was that Eslers, E-S-L-Rs. Like, okay, that's what do we want our students to become? And I had to really think about that. What do I want my students to become? And it's like, okay, I want them to be authentic learners. Um, I really wanted them to have a, a love of wisdom, not just knowledge. Um, teaching at the school we taught there, um, it was really interesting. We had very, very motivated, dedicated students. They would puppet back anything that you teach them. Like they could quote scripture better than I ever could. Most of them weren't believers. So that's not, that's not what I want. I want it to be internalized. So I started working on that, the Esslers thing and came to me, what is it what I want my students to be? And ultimately came down to, um, I wanted every student's life is redeemed. So every student is a believer. Good, great, that, that's awesome. But how do we do that? Um, and I really didn't know, like, how do you define that? And so one of the phrases you find in my book, one of my characters says, how do you know a fish is a fish? Um, they act like a fish, they look like a fish, they smell like a fish. I'm like, okay, so what makes a Christian, what makes a believer different than a non-believer? And what really came to my mind is that God changes the way you look at the world. Your whole worldview changes. Everything changes. So I thought, okay, let's start there. Is there a way that we can teach specifically or focus our teaching to specifically teach people to look at the world through a Christian worldview? All right, that's really good. The, the how was, was the really big question. That, that's what the rest of it developed from. I love that. It's sometimes we don't start though from that overall picture, like this is our goal and this is how to get there. So that that's, that's wonderful, that framework. And you tell, just so you guys know, his book, Rooftop Perspectives is fantastic. I highly recommend it. It starts with story and moves into practical. So it's really enjoyable read and super helpful as well. So you mentioned a biblical worldview. Can you help us define that? What exactly is a biblical worldview? What does that look like? Yeah, so that was the next part that hit me as I was sitting there on the table. I'm okay, what is a biblical worldview? Because a worldview is huge. It's, it's everything that you look at through the world. Um, I'm like, if I want this to be something manageable, I can't do an entire Christian worldview. Some of the things that people have in their Christian worldview are controversial. Not every Christian believes the exact same thing. Um, so I wanted to break it down into just what the absolute basics were of a Christian worldview. And I broke it down into five specific areas. And I'm like, okay, this is doable. 
all Christians should be able to agree that these things are, are key and we can build off of this. So the five things that I focus around is number one, truth. And I break down all of these things a little further in the book and take more time than we can to hear. Um, but truth, uh, creation, the fall, the redemption, and then the purpose of man. So with those five things, I kind of figured we can break those down. That's something that we can go with. Um, but then it hit me. It's like I had the question in my mind, can you actually teach worldview? So I, I didn't want puppets. You know, I, I'm sure, I can get up and say, this is what a Christian should believe about truth. And my students would have puppeted back perfectly. They wouldn't have never have, would have internalized it. Um, so with that premise, I'm like, no, you can't actually teach worldview. We have worldview classes all over the place. You can teach people how to understand worldview, but it's not going to change your worldview. So that was really to not have brainwashed puppets. How do I do it in such a way that they're going to internalize and develop their own worldview? So what did you come up with? That's a good question. And then that question is kind of the answer. Um, I think worldview is developed by really thinking things through an experience. And the easiest way to do that is by asking questions, uh, by asking powerful questions, those big open-ended questions that really make you think. Um, yeah, questions. And that's something that it's a, it was so simple when you, when you talked about that in your book. It's so such a simple concept, but it's some, one that we don't always – it's a little bit – different than what we're used to. We're often used to teaching the answers, right? And yeah. so now we're saying rather than teaching our students or our kids, these, this, 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 I mean, not that we don't do that. We are actively teaching, but this is stepping back and asking the right questions. And that is so powerful. So um, what kind of questions are we asking? Uh, well, let, let's, before we get that, like how, how before we get into what questions we're asking, how should we be asking these questions? Are, are there things that we can do to make them more powerful and obvious to our students? Like where do where do these come up? Yeah, that's that's really good, and that, that's a key part of it um, because I really wanted something that doesn't is not just something that for one teacher to do, but something that's so powerful that you could focus an entire school on teaching worldview. Um, so first thing with the questions is write them down so that the students see them all the time. Um, really went with the understanding by design type method of teaching where you're putting the essential question on the board so that the kids know what the object, objective is of the lesson. It's the same thing with these. You want the questions to be seen, um, but then even more important to not create puppets, you don't give them the answers directly. You never write down, here's the question, and at the end of the day, they've filled out the answer. You want them to think about it. You want that you're providing and what you're studying to answer that question throughout the day, but you don't answer it directly. Okay, so let's let's walk this through with an example. Can you give me an example of what one of these questions might be? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got the five different worldview areas okay. that I talked about. Um, with those, I first the first part of the model is something we call focus questions. Okay. Um, and focus questions are a series of grade level appropriate questions that we can answer with subject matter matter content um, in order to help guide the learner to develop their worldview. Um, they're really big questions, 
and they kind of build on each other. So like for truth, I break it down into there's a question for elementary, there's one for middle school and for high school, and they kind of spiral. They get progressively harder. So truth for elementary, where does truth come from? Hmm. Pretty basic. Middle school, how do we know it's true? You know, middle schoolers always want to argue about what's true or not true, and that's really where they are. So a little deeper. Um, high school, what is the nature of truth and how is it revealed to us? Okay. So something like it just keeps building a little bit more in each one and, yeah, focuses all the way through the school then. So if all the teachers are trying to make their curriculum help answer those questions, the students are getting it across all grade levels and across all subjects. So this is a model you could use just in your individual classroom, but it becomes more powerful if it's used in conjunction with other teachers or the whole school in general, right? Is that correct? Right. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So these, you, this may be this focus question, um, you know, how do we know what is true? It's maybe on your board and, and do you, do you bring it up and, and have any discussions about it or is it just kind of always in the background? The, the big focus questions you can have discussions, but they're, they're so big. Uh, you can't, like, where does truth come from? It's not something you're going to answer in one lesson ever. It's going to be something that is going to take, you know, adults are working on those questions. Um, so these are the kind of things that, yeah, they're up on posters. They're, they're things like that, always drawing people back into them. Um, but to really be able to build out your lessons and answer these questions, I, I give them more questions. Uh, so it's something to, to answer the focus questions. I use what are called focused essential questions. That's right. I remember these from your book. So what what did these look like? It, what uh, can you give some examples of these? Yeah, absolutely. So th- this goes again back to the um, understanding by design type thing. Essential questions are the objectives you objectives you want to answer in your lesson, um, and these are smaller questions um, that help answer. You know, where does truth come from? Um, so if we break those down a little bit more, um, you break it down all the way into elementary, and then you can break it down into, you know, the specific lesson that you're teaching. So if we're doing truth again, where does truth come from for elementary language arts? It could be as simple a question as, is this story true or make-believe? You know, um, how do you know that the author is telling you fact or opinion? So things like that, things that will lead them to start answering that, how, where does truth come from in their mind? Um, and it's easily things that you can answer through your lessons. Okay. So you're trying to, as you're developing lessons, uh, you're asking yourself, what are, how does this relate to this big question? And what are some questions we can discuss as a class or have students write about or write whatever, whatever kind of way you want to incorporate it? Uh, you're just kind of coming up with these questions uh, to, to relate in. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, you're using these small questions that you'll answer with your curriculum that day that help answer the big focus questions. Because these are like, they're still big questions, but they're not so big. They're like small enough that you can kind of tackle and answer them. And you're just gradually building this worldview, right? Because you can't build a worldview in a day, right? You're just kind of stacking blocks. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to build a worldview in a day that wouldn't be a very deep or wide worldview. So it it takes time, but the focused attention to it is what's going to make it powerful over the years. And yeah, awesome. the students we want to have. 
Okay. So before I want to, in a minute, kind of go through like a start to finish example, but before we do that, what, how long do you recommend staying on one of the big focus questions? You know, what is true? You know, the, how long would you stay on one of those? Is it like, do you change that every week, every month, every school year? So the big focus questions, yeah. those are there forever. Okay. You know, do you have maybe kind of- like five of them then in your room throughout the year? Or? Yeah. So if you, if you break it down into the five different worldview areas, there's one for each. Okay. Um, and then the way I've got the model broken down, it breaks it down by not quite grade level, but elementary, middle school, high school. Um, if you wanted to, you can break that down even further. Um, I don't have all of the answers to the questions. I just really want to start the conversation with people saying, hey, do this. You can add all the questions that you want to add. Okay. So it's not necessarily like, okay, this month I have to talk about truth. This month I'm talking about creation. I These are the five areas and I can, however, this lesson, I can look at it and say, how does it, which one does it tie into best? And what question can I ask to tie into one of these? Is that more yeah. the idea? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and, and I have seen schools do it differently. Like I've seen schools that yeah, this month we're focusing on truth and they put posters of it and they really do that and then they cycle through or just do whichever fits the particular lesson that you're doing. If your lesson lends itself more to the fall, ask questions and build that part out, not pigeonholed. So you can kind of recreate, you have the flexibility to do whatever makes sense and experiment, right? We don't have to get it perfect the first time around, right? This is something you just start out with and you'll grow with your students in it, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of how it has to happen. There's this grace involved in education, right? Or there should be. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of walk through an example. Can you give an example of what this would look like kind of from start to finish and say middle school history class? Like how would a teacher, like where would they start from? How could they plan a question? What might the conversations look like? Let's just kind of walk through an example. Sure. Okay. Um, Middle school history. Okay, so um, what do we cover? Something like the age of exploration, right? We there's sure. Columbus and all of that, and, and that. So really, you're planning your normal curriculum like you would, you normally would. You've, you've got to cover the material, but what questions can you ask to then focus on worldview? So if we look at truth, we're talking middle school. Um, middle school truth. The focus question is um, how do we know what is true? Okay, so then you can do an, a focused essential question that will be answered with a lesson that um, say, how does one's perspective change their view and event? Okay, because for some, the age of exploration was fantastic. For others, not so much. You know, so which side, which side of the story is true? So you can have big conversations with that. Um, and, and figure out which, you know, what is the nature of truth with that? How do we know what is true? Um, so uh, another one, another example, um, get away from truth for a bit, the, the fall. Um, the focus question for middle school for fall is what does it mean to be human? Okay. So if that's the focus question, you can ask things like, um, what motivated the explorers? Okay. So that's part of it. Um, why did they do what they did? Fairly basic, but it gets them thinking along those lines. Um, and what does it mean to be human? 
Um, we can take it a step further, another um, worldview area, purpose. Middle school focus question is, how does God want you to carry on his work? So, okay. um, let's see. Okay. Um, did the explorers expand the true kingdom of God? Mm. <laughs> uh, again, that could tie back in with the perspective. It depends on who you're asking. Um, but all of those questions kind of go back to build their worldview through those. And I think those are easily answerable with, with that curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. And it's simultaneously promoting better discussion. You're also working more with your subject matter. Like you're not taking time even away from your subject matter to answer these questions, right? I mean, you're just doing it all at once. So it's, it's not even any competition really in there. That's awesome. It should just take it all deeper and a better understanding of both the subject matter and building the worldview at the same time, gaining, gaining wisdom, not knowledge. Awesome. So let's think through what this would look like in a Christian school versus a public school. So I'm thinking in a Christian school, I mean, when we're answering these questions, we're encouraging students to use biblical answer, right? We're encouraging students to use the Bible. We're bringing in a biblical perspective, right? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Public school, not so much. Yeah. What do you think this would look like more in a public school? Because these are still really good. We can't always, like the, the, the question, what does God want you to do? We couldn't ask that, but we can still ask some of these focused essential questions. There's still really good questions that would get people thinking. Um, is that still the goal? I, it was for me when I taught public school, it was for most of the Christians I knew in public schools. We still want to influence lives. Um, we still want to build the worldview that we want students to have um, and, and to lead them along a path. Um, in a public school, I probably wouldn't be posting up the exact same focus questions. Um, but in my own lesson planning and building out the focused essential questions, absolutely. They're the questions that I would ask to make people, to get people thinking along these same lines. And there's benefit, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's benefit in a public school, even if you can't necessarily draw out the biblical answer in all of these questions, there is benefit in asking the question because you, even if students don't walk away with the same perspective that you wish they would, you're, you're getting them thinking. And as students start on that path of seeking these answers, that opens up doors for the truth. Is, am I thinking correctly about this? Uh, Absolutely. That's like, I kind of want to put like earworms in there with the question that just sticks with them forever. And you know, five years down the line, the question pops back into their head like a, a song you can't get out. Yeah. Um, and just keeps them searching. You know, that's, if you're on a search for truth, you're eventually going to come to God. So if we, no matter what you're teaching, if you're focusing on making your students to be lovers of truth, um, that immeasurable thing, um, guiding them along that path will stick. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, just just implanting things like the value of truth and, and and purpose and just these questions, right? The answer is found in God and in Christ. And so um, when they search for that, uh, they're headed in the right direction. That's great. Yeah. Where can people find, on a very practical note, where is the best place for people to find your list of focused questions? You know, there's five questions for each grade level. Are, is the Is your book the best place to find those? I would say my book is the best place. I would, of course, like people to pick up a copy of the book. Um, like you said, I, I tell it 
it's not your typical teacher manual for how to do something. Um, I don't like reading them. I couldn't handle writing one. Um, so it's told from a very different point of view. And, and I think walks people through some of the thoughts I would like them to have in a creative way before just laying out the, the meat and potatoes of it. Um, so um, otherwise, you know, I've got my website, roof, rooftopperspectives.com, um, where a lot of the information is there also. But the book's a really good place to start and center and I, discussions around. And I highly recommend them as well. And we'll link, though, to his website underneath this video so you can check out some of his articles uh, to help you kind of get a better flavor as well. What other advice, as we finish up, what other advice or encouragement um, would you like to share for educators that are wanting to be more intentional with uh, integrating a biblical worldview thinking? Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be as hard as we sometimes make it out to be, uh, is a big piece of it. Um, I always like to focus on what, what do I want out of my students? I actually want to spend eternity with my students. Um, and, and that's where my focus comes from. So if you look at that, we want to spend eternity with our students. What are the things we need to do to work along those lines? And then ultimately realize all we're doing is planting seeds. The rest of this is in God's hands. So commit your ways to him, follow down the path, and, and just really have faith that he's got a plan for each of them. And you can only do your part. That's such an encouragement, uh, important encouragement, I think, to, to end with because sometimes we are called to do what we can, but sometimes we take on the burden of the results too. And those, those aren't ours. Those are up, those are up to God. So that that's great. And I also loved your encouragement that it doesn't have to be as hard as we think. So maybe if I'm thinking about this and thinking, this sounds great, but it feels a little overwhelming. I can start small, right? I could pick one subject or like just, just kind of start maybe write something on my desk and just thinking about it periodically and, and grow from there. Do you have a recommendation of a place to start if I'm nervous about jumping in with both feet? Start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think there's anything being that nervous about it. You don't have to adopt all of everything. It's a very simple thing just to start integrating some of these questions and asking open-ended questions and don't answer them um, directly. <laughs> I love that. It's simple. Ask questions that you don't answer. I love it. Right. <laughs> that's what Jesus did. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. Would you mind closing us out in prayer before we finish up? Absolutely. And then I have a final question. Go ahead. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we can spend together just talking about education, um, about how we can try to Help our students develop their love for you, their love for truth and wisdom. Um, just thank you, Lord, for the resources that we have to do this. And just pray that you will direct our paths to do what you would have us do with each of our students every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And this final question, if people want to connect with you further, um, your book and your website, are those the best places? Or are there anywhere else to connect with you? Book, website, uh, my email address, I'm sure you can put up, would be totally fine too. Um, yeah, and, and I am happy to dialogue with anybody. I also um, do, um, I'll come out and do trainings and things like that on site if people want to take this deeper in their school. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. My pleasure. 
Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I hope you found this session helpful. Remember, this interview was originally part of our Christian Educators Virtual Summit. So if you want any of the links or anything we mentioned now, you want to head to teachfortheheart.com slash 135 because this is episode 135. A couple other things I wanted to make you aware of. First of all, I hope that you'll be able to join us in one of our book clubs. We're running book clubs for both Take Heart and Teach and Create Your Dream Classroom. The book clubs are absolutely free. You just need a copy of the book. So this is a great thing to grab a friend, colleague, or just do it yourself. Hop in there and get some encouragement and fresh ideas uh, during this challenging time of the year. All the details for those free book clubs are at teachfortheheart.com slash book club. I also hope that you will save the date for next year's Christian Educators Virtual Summit. Uh, The summit is going to be in October, and we so hope that this will be a time that you'll be able to join us. Uh, The dates for the uh, summit are going to be October 23rd and 24th. That's when we'll be having the live sessions. And then all the on-demand sessions will be available a day or two before and after that as well. So make sure you mark your calendar October 23rd and 24th to be with us live online. We'll be bringing you tons more details as it gets closer, but just wanted to put that on your radar. This was just one of the incredible sessions from last year's summit, and we have so many amazing things planned for you in the coming year as well. Well, thank you guys again so much for being here. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.